Yo MTG Taps is proudly sponsored by CoolStuffInc.com, where you can find cool stuff in stock every day. Use promo code YO5 to get 5% off your next order. Yo MTG Taps is also sponsored by CardHoarder.com, our go-to source for Magic Online singles. Be sure to check out the Card Hoarder Loan Program, a flexible, affordable way to play many decks online. Everybody and welcome to another episode of Yo MTG Taps. I'm Joey Pasco, and I'm Big Head Joe. And it was a slow news week in Magic <laughs> uh, until about mm, 24 minutes ago, when uh, Joe and I were about to record, and they dropped this uh, article about the the organized play going forward into 2020. And um, so we just spent a few minutes trying to read it and parse it as best we can, and uh, we're going to discuss that. Today, um, we're also going to talk a little bit more about modern because that's what we've been playing. And um, on that topic, I mean, I'm I want to talk about what I'm excited about, and uh, I'm excited playing blue white control. So I think I'm going to do a whole breakdown of what I'm playing in modern right now and why it still excites me despite the uh, the hogak situation that you know this lame duck format that we're in. Um, of course, we've got uh, the Fringe Division, which we skipped last episode. So, Joe, you have a deck to talk about uh, for that. And um, I, I, th- I think that's everything. Uh, you know, we'll see how things go. Um, do you want to just kick things off now with this organized play announcement? Yeah. So uh, we got this article posted today called The Future of Magic Esports. Um, and it's talking about all of the changes that they are doing for 2020. Um for the 20 for technically i guess they they are calling it the 2020 2021 season. Right. Um so that's coming up here. Yeah, it looks uh, like they're doing like an August to August thing and so it officially the the first full season begins in August 2020 so we're a year out from it but we're going to have a partial season from January 1st, this coming January 1st, 2020, through July 31st. So the, the ver- it's going right. to actually roll out starting January 1st, and, um, right. and but we'll just have a partial season until the end of July. No doubt. So um, a couple things they've added. They've added, let's start with like the Pro League stuff. Um, so with the Pro League, they've added a Rivals League, which is like... Um, uh, the what is, what is it called? The league championship in uh, for Premier League, uh, league champ. Is that what it's called? I can't. Remember uh, you're talking structure. about like so- European football? Is that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, I don't I don't watch it, but uh, but I know what you're talking about. It's like the they have people that aren't technically in that league, or not people, but teams that are technically not in that league, but they can get into that league and take this place of the you know the yeah, bottom pl- the, the players that have were ranked. Or the teams that were uh, bottom ranked in the league in the previous season, so it's something like that. Um, initially, you know, this year the the MPL was you know thirty two players, and then it was like thirty one and thirty, and then it was like thirty 
33. I don't know if it was ever 33, but you know, it was technically 32 slots in the MPL. It's now 24 slots, uh, but there's a much clearer way of, of getting to it. And the rivals league is, is this way of, of actually qualifying to be a member of the MPL. Yeah. So it's the, um, it's the EFL, the English football league championship, which is the the demotion (laughs) league. Um, and I actually love relegation, but also this gives us something clear, Mm -hmm. like in terms of like, uh, you know, what, what happens when these people do poorly. Right. And it looks like, and you know, this is my, my initial impression or what I got from it is the, the MPL doesn't have any just discretionary slots. Like, Hey, we just like you and we're going to put you in the MPL. Uh, like, but the rivals league does have, I think six slots. Um, I don't have it in front of me at the moment, but uh, I think Joe does. Um, but either way, the, there are discretionary slots for the Rivals League, so they can just kind of put somebody in there, uh, if, if, I'm, if I recall correctly from, <laughs> from what I read about 10 minutes ago. Um, right. Is that right? Is so, it- yeah, so um, the, the 46 slots are the 1st through 12th ranked digital players not previously in the MPL. The first through twelfth ranked tabletop players, not previously in the MPL. The bottom twelve players from the MPL gauntlet. The bottom four players from the previous MPL season, and six discretionary invites. There, there it is. So that's the whole deal there. Okay. Um. So the basically not us. Um. Not at this point, unless we can get discretionary invites. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so uh, they got this gauntlet thing. I don't know. All this pro league stuff to me is just kind of like well, it's, gibberish. It's, it's, it's a little bit – it's a lot of information to, to take in right now and understand, and it is a little bit confusing. But I, I do like it that it's clearer than this year, uh, you know, than 2019 where, it's, where they just kind of picked people and – uh, now there's criteria to actually get into the MPL, and there's criteria to get to the Rivals League, which you can qualify for through. Like, uh, it looks like they've they've actually split out the. You know, this year we have like all these mythic championships, um, and they're in paper and they're on arena. And now it looks like mythic either invitationals or championships. I actually don't know which which term they used, but the mythic events are the. Uh, arena events and the paper tabletop events are actually called the players tour um so you know now we have another terminology to replace pro tour but at least there's a uh you know differentiation in terminology between tabletop paper events and digital arena events so uh those are kind of split up and it looks like there are going to be um it's like three regions of paper events it's the americas and europe and asia is that right um, yes uh americas europe and asia pacific asia pacific okay so and then there are uh what is it nine events um total so it's three nine three yes, each, there's right nine um nine events that will be split into th- or you know n- three events happening basically at a time. Right. So it, three times a year. So there's three regional players tours. There's the players tour Americas, players tour Europe, players tour Asia Pacific. Um, so they're all going to happen. My guess is near one another. Um, 
and then from there, and as I think it said, the, okay, so the Players Tour has 500 players in the Americas, 400 players in Europe, and 250 players in the Asia Pacific. Um, and then from there, uh, players will qualify for the Players Tour finals. And there will be three of those every year. Um, they did not give an exact number. Well, they didn't really give an exact number on the other ones, but they didn't give an approximation either. Um, the top finisher from the Players Tour events, um, so I guess that would be three players, top finishers from previous Players Tour finals, um, so I don't know who that means, all 24 MPL players and each Grand Prix winner will be qualified for the Players Tour final. Okay. So, um, that sounds interesting. Um, let's see, the direct qualification. Yeah, there's a direct qualification for the winner of a Grand Prix, which I think is pretty cool. Right. Um, and, oh, that's neat, too. That player qualifies for both the Players Tour and the Finals. And then players who are qualified for both may play in both events. Okay. That's. Oh, okay, it says approximately. Oh, I didn't even see this at the bottom. These events will invite approximately 120 players and each have a $250,000 prize pool. Okay. So so that's the deal there. That's kind of weird that the Players Tour Final has the same prize pool as the players as the America's Players Tours. Yeah, that part I didn't I didn't really I didn't wrap my haven't wrapped my head around this whole thing again. It just posted so it's hard to, hard to exactly parse it and i don't have it in front of me because i'm sitting in my car recording um right. <laughs> did not expect to have to to uh have this information in front of me but i think um you know it it looks like a lot of information and it still seems a little confusing but maybe that's just because we've only been looking at it for a short amount of time i do feel like it's a little clearer I like the split of players tour versus mythic events. Uh, Definitely, I hate the name. Yeah, I mean, I don't like but, the name uh, either. But at least just call it the pro tour again. I know you're really scared about having to give people benefits and stuff, but like we knew we were never getting benefits. Just call it the pro tour again, so we can stop having to change the name every three months. Right. I mean, I guess the the criticism of that could be like, this isn't the pro tour. Why are you calling it the pro tour? You know, like, uh, but, but, but I still I agree with you. I don't like the the name but whatever they got to call it something and this is what they landed on and it's better than having you know two dozen mythic events trying to con trying to figure out what exactly is going on like you know with all these different mythic championships and mythic invitationals and some are table tabletop and some are on arena um so yeah that, that kind of feels like uh an improvement at least when somebody says the the players tour i'm gonna know they're talking about paper um, but the name obviously also sounds inferior to the Mythic Championship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound... So it sounds like a step down, which ultimately it is. Because uh, if you win a Players Tour final, well, basically they said um, the ultimate goal of this... Mm -hmm is to become a member of the Rivals League. You know what I mean? Like, which I guess... Which is weird because you'd think that if you were in the Rivals League, your ultimate goal is to get into the MPL, which would make that the ultimate goal. So the Rivals League is the penultimate goal. But whatever, that's just, you know, words. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, I don't know. Right. Um, <laughs> well, at this point, uh, I, I, think, I think it's an improvement from this year. And I'm glad that they're making changes and trying to change... Trying to sort of figure this out and wizards has always done that so i gotta give them props for 
for trying to make things better. Um, I'm not sure if this is better than it used to be, um, you know, in, in past years, but it is better than 2019 at first glance. Um, I think so. So, so I think they're really starting to, um, to understand tabletops important mm -hmm. to all of us. I hope so. And, uh, and, and arena is never going to replace it. Right. You know, um, you have this crazy pipe dream of the rivals league or the, or the MPL, which I don't know, to me at this point just doesn't feel like real Mm -hmm. anymore. Uh, which is unfortunate if that's the ultimate goal, like, you know, getting to the ultimate goal should feel achievable, uh, which was the appeal of the Grand Prix in the past and like PTQs and all that right. really made the pro tour seem achievable. Um, but now we have eight levels. So like we have, you know, your, your table. So if you have, you know, kitchen table magic, mm-hmm. right. And then you have like F and M level magic. And then you have like uh, PTQ play, so the player tour qualifiers. So they are doing uh, two different kinds of qualifiers um, for stores, basically. So they're doing the players tour qualifiers, which I feel like are going to be like bigger events. Mm-hmm. Um, basically PTQs, and, and they still can be abbreviated PTQs. <laughs> right, right. But then also WPN qualifiers, which is going to be, which are going to be run by WPN stores. Right. Um, which actually makes it sound like the players tour qualifiers are going to be run by wizards yeah, that's a or good... like maybe run by like a external. I don't know. That's that weird. Is weird that that's they've actually separate, you know, differentiated between those two. Because usually it's stores running the players tour qualifiers. Right. Unless there's some sort of WPN like qualifier season thing rather than being, rather than being a, a, a single tournament, like, oh, I'm going to this PTQ. It's uh, cumulative kind of thing. No, these are still just, just um, okay. yeah, and they can be multi-day events possibly is what they're saying. I don't know. It just seems weird to dis- distinguish the two right. if there wasn't a reason, right. you know? Um, so the players tour qualifiers will have uh, promos um, just for registering, just like before. And the first one they've announced for 2020 is Cryptic Command. I like that card. Which you said is the same art. Yeah, it's the same art from like the Masters, the, the more recent printings, like um, Iconic Masters or whatever Masters that Cryptic Command was recently printed in. I don't know. Mine are from huh. Lorwyn. I've stopped looking at <laughs> the other versions, like where I need to get this card because I don't. I have my Lorwyn copies. But yeah, it's from the like the Masters uh, printing. So it's not... Iconic Man. It is Iconic okay. Masters. I just looked at so it. So it's not, it's not new artwork. Uh, it's not just promo. But it will be foil. It will be foil. Yeah, so that's cool. And it's still a you know, great card. Did you notice the Magic Esports website now? The address? Is it something like magicesports.gg or something? It's magic.gg. <laughs> that is pretty funny. I like it. Which is pretty which is pretty clever. Yeah, I, like I like that a lot actually. Um So The other thing which we haven't mentioned yet know. is that you can actually it looks like you're gonna be able to qualify through things like Star City open events or star city invitational somehow so um you know i don't know the details on that part but you we we talked about this a few episodes ago where uh or or wait it wasn't a few episodes ago it was i was talking to alex blackard on the control freak podcast that you used to be able to qualify for for the pro tour through star city events um but i don't know what happened to that so it looks like that's back um so yeah that's that's cool because obviously I think I think Wizards needs to 
recognize how popular like a tournament series like this are. I mean, Star City, I feel like, has the best, most well-run tournament series in the world, and they cover it better than any event is covered. Um, you know, if we, we want to branch off talking about coverage, I, I actually still have a little bit <laughs> to talk about with coverage, um, which is off of this organized play topic, but uh, I only want to do that if you're you're finished. Do you have anything else to say? I I don't think so. I mean, like, there's also a world championship next year. Well, that, um, yeah, that's, and that's taking players from both the Mythic events and the, the player store events. And the MPL, obviously. Yeah. So I don't know exactly what's going on with that, but that sounds interesting. Right, and it makes sense. I mean, there's going to be a world championship with the top players from the top events, and and that, that makes sense. Um, I don't remember the number of players that are going to be invited, but it looks, you know, a relatively small number, but still it's not like the uh the world cup tournaments that had like two dozen players or whatever (laughs) recently grand prix will not apply to seasonal qualifications i have no idea what that means but um they they said they noted it here note that grand prix will award lifetime player points but they will not apply to seasonal qualifications. Lifetime total player points will use pro points as a starting basis. That doesn't – that whole paragraph doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, I guess what but, my question is what do the lifetime of points, points apply to? You know what I mean? It's, if they're saying they don't apply to the seasonal uh, points. Take your hand, right? Look, Take your hand. Look at your uh-huh, hand. Got it. Are you looking at your palm uh, of your hand? I'm looking at the back of my hand, but I'll switch. Now, now place it well, – look at the palm got of your it. hand. Now take that mm-hmm. palm – Put it over your shoulder. Which shoulder? And then the opposite does it uh, matter? Over you, over the same shoulder that your hand is, okay. and then um, move it up and down repeatedly on okay. your back. That's what those points go for. Got it. Pat on the there back. There you go. Cool. On That's it. right. So there All you right. go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that those are lifetime player points. I mean, that's what it seems uh, like. You're right. Like I, I. That's yeah. I think that's pretty much what it is bragging rights um anyway grand prix seem largely unchanged uh they're still monopolized by channel fireball um they'll still probably i don't know I, i'm not super into the grand prix being all run by one person i liked the variety i thought it made traveling for the events interesting but i've whined about that on previous episodes of this show so i don't need to go too hard into that um but that is unchanged right. anyway. Yeah, it seems like they, um, they don't matter in 2019 and they really don't seem to matter next year either. And that's a shame because I feel like they used to be such such a big deal. You know, there was nothing really outside of of the Pro Tour that was as exciting, you know, like and you'd have like big Star City events once Star City started really getting all that momentum about, you know, 10 years ago or so um, with the Open Series. Uh, but the the GPs were like the big thing, and now they're like the afterthought, you know. So that, that's it's a shame. Um, on that topic, I guess I'm going to go ahead and and transition a little bit because I thought this was interesting. Um, yeah. Well, let me let me step back real quick because I just go noticed yep. one thing. Um, so, players tour qualifier, you will get a promo for registering. WPN qualifiers will be provided 32 promo cards to be distributed as prizes. Okay. So you won't, you're not guaranteed a promo card. You get it as a prize in a WPN. For an MPL, or an MPL. Yes, that. 
WPN. Um, right, tournament. right. Okay, so that's so, something. They're 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 working right. on it. They're working on it, and I, and I think it's good. I think it's I think it's positive. Um, I've spent the last several episodes of this show being super negative about the future of magic and uh this uh, this at least it doesn't really change my um opinion on arena much at all and let me say something though about that because a couple weeks ago i had talked at length about how i felt about Mm -hmm. arena i don't apologize for that i don't take back what i said that's how i feel about it and that's how it feels Mm -hmm. to me but uh, I got a comment uh, from someone on Twitter, and unfortunately, I can't remember their Twitter handle offhand. And I don't feel like digging it up. Um, but they made a very good point. They were like, "Well, you just made me feel like what I'm playing doesn't count as magic." No, 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 no. I, I hate gatekeeping more than anything. Um, as someone who's into comic books, movies, music, etc., um, I know I've been guilty in the past of gatekeeping stuff when I was younger. But it's something I'm very aware of and I'm very much try to avoid and fight against if I notice other people doing it. Um, you enjoy magic any way you want. You know, if you're enjoying Arena, if Arena works for you, then that's awesome. You know, I don't want anyone to feel like I'm discouraging them from playing magic or 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 what they're doing isn't real right. magic, you know? And it, was, it was just, by the way, um, it was Old just, Man Levi on Twitter, so shout out to, to Levi for... Uh, thank you. Per, thank you for yeah, looking and, and thank you to Levi for actually giving us some feedback and sparking a little bit more discussion Seriously. on it. Absolutely, because, like, yeah, I, I just didn't, I didn't quite realize when I said those words that that's how they could be construed and, like, totally didn't mean right. that. So for that... For that, mis- you know, for that interpretation of my words, I do apologize, you know. But, I mean, that really is just how it feels to me, what I said on the last episode. I don't want to go back over it, but you can go and look at it and listen to it if you want. Um, but Just a clarification, know, kind enjoy, of. Yeah. If you enjoy magic and if, and, if, and if Arena has you enjoying magic, great. I mean, Arena is how I got back into right. magic, you know. Like, I, I wasn't playing magic. And then... Um, finally downloaded arena and started playing and got into it again so you know even if my interests have shifted from arena you know it, it, it's certainly a great tool um it's a stepping stone into paper or if you don't have access to paper or time for paper it's a great alternative right. you know um so so let me just make sure that i get that very clear right. here um because i have i have felt i've felt very down about the future of magic and about our place in it as lowly challengers. You know what I mean? Um, now we can challenge and, and, to be rivals. You know. Right. I guess. Um, yeah. But anyway, so so I think I'm done with this whole topic. Joey, I know you've had something you wanted to say that I cut you off and rambled for 10 No, 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 no. It was just, I, I mean, we were, I had this written down in the show notes because I thought it was amusing. But on the topic of Grand Prix and how far they have fallen, um, we've the coverage of Grand Prix has just been cut like ninety percent. I don't even, you know, it's it seems like there's just a Grand Prix going on. You're like, oh, I didn't know there was a Grand Prix happening in X city, and I have no idea. Like, there's really no coverage of it. There's no way of knowing what's going on. It's like it, it right. doesn't matter anymore at all. And so to kind of prove this point, um, 
Peer uh, from from Mage, which I don't know. Uh, he's Mage is like a, an app, app for trading or a website for trading, kind of similar to Puka Trade, but that's all irrelevant. Peer is one of the people that. Uh, I don't know if he runs Mage or whatever, but decided to do kind of a social experiment on Grand Prix coverage and started tweeting that uh, he was he top aided the Grand Prix and was like basically making up a story that he was at Grand Prix Minneapolis and top aided it and then uh, and kind of wanted to see what would happen if anybody called him out on it and no one did. People were like congratulations and good luck and rooting for you and all all that kind of thing and he was clear like anybody who. Uh, who actually responded? He wrote back saying, "Like, hey, I'm actually not in the top eight, but I'm running an experiment." And I guess this was kind of an interesting little way of showing that uh, nobody's paying any attention to Grand Prix results because they really—it's hard to find them. You, you can't find the results, you can't find the coverage, and it's just a shame. And it's just another little um, kind of anecdote as to. The, the sad state of affairs on Grand Prix. So um, keep up the good work, Star City, because I love watching the Star City Opens. And uh, I hope I hope that uh, Wizard sees the value in, in covering events like this. But uh, until they do, you know, I guess nobody's really going to care about Grand Prix, um, except for the people playing in them. Yeah, um, I think that it's time... For us to go to war in the fringe division. So, I have been waiting for the hammer to fall. Uh, the ban hammer from up on high. What is it? August twenty sixth or something? Yep, yep. That's the next. The next Probably announcement five is, minutes before we the next record, announcement is August twenty sixth. With an article accompanying it explaining everything um yeah so we're waiting we're waiting for this and in the meantime uh i've just been wanting to try some silly decks i mean as is the nature of this segment uh but i've been trying a couple literal hammer decks so um there is this card from m20 called colossus hammer n plus 10 and not trample um, which is really unfortunate for this deck. Uh, but um, it costs one to play and eight to equip, right? Um, and it's ten. Sounds ten right. It gives it plus ten, plus ten, and it loses flying, which is funny. You thought that was especially funny. Uh, uh, yeah, I do think it's funny. Um, so I tried a couple decks. Uh, first, I tried this deck uh, that I don't know if I named it but it was definitely called Hammer Time on my notepad here. <laughs> um, and uh, this deck, I'll, I'll just tell you real quick the list. It's uh, one Ancestral Blade, one Basilisk Collar, four Battlefield Forge, four Boros Swift Blade, two Brave the Elements, four Colossus Hammer, two Declaration in Stone, four Faithless Saluting, one Flare Husk, four Inspiring Vantage, four Core Duelist, Two magnetic, two magnetic theft, two. Why was I running this deck? <laughs> what? You just discovered this after running the list. What? I mean, I literally just copied the list and put it into into arena. Right. All right. Magical line. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, four on thin ice. Four open the armory. Four cigardas aid. Five snow covered mountains. Five snow covered plains. 
uh, four Swift Blade Vindicator, one Swift Foot Boots. Um, that is actually what. Anyway, I'll get into that. But um, no path to exile. No path to exile. That is weird. Okay, isn't interesting. It? I mean, if you're going to play Declaration in Stone and um, and on Thin Ice, I'm like, that's kind of an odd thing to do. But Maybe yeah. this was a budget deck. I don't know. I thought, I don't know where the hell I got this. I think I got this off a of goldfish <laughs> somewhere. But this is not an optimal list. But I, I was really just trying to throw something at you. Because I think you asked me if I wanted to play. And I was like, oh, okay, hurry on. Let me find something real quick. And I just found something. And right, I, right. I hated it. Oh, my God. I hated it so much. Um. I had no idea what was going on. I'm like, I'm just going to surgical extract something so I can see what you're doing <laughs> because right. this list is weird. And I think in the, our first games, you didn't have Sigardus Aid. Uh, and so I was really like, what is this deck doing? You know, until I did surgical, you know, I cast surgical extraction on whatever and saw it in there. I was like, okay, it's a Sigardus Aid deck, right? Like, um, kind of. Like, that. That's that's the scariest card, I think, in the deck. Because what it gives your equipment flash, and you can attach it for free, right? That's right. kind of the when it enters so the battlefield, attached to a creature you control, right? So uh, that makes it it scarier, right? Like somebody is like, oh, I'm going to attack you with this, you know, kind of small creature, and and then flash in a Colossus Hammer uh, and attach it for free. This is you know the dream that you're trying to go, <laughs> go right. with, which you never successfully were able to. Well, maybe you got it attached, but. You know, you got hit with a path to exile pretty much as soon as that would happen. Yes, this deck essentially is just a whole bunch of extra steps before your creature gets pathed. That's <laughs> pretty much what this deck felt like the entire time. I was like, okay, so I'm casting four spells and then getting pathed instead of just having my creature attack and get pathed. I have to search for something, then I have to cast it, then I have to equip it, then I have to attack, then I have to search for a basic land. That's basically how this deck plays. Um, and it was terrible, and I hated it, uh, and I got rid of it. Um, no, but this, deck, this deck is basically, somebody was like, I would love to play Infect, but I want it to be really, really bad. And so this is what they came up with. Right. Now, <laughs> like, um... From there, I went to a different list and uh, actually liked it a little bit more. Um, this deck I called Hammer to Fall because we're all waiting for the band Hammer to Fall. Um, you know, I, until then, I'll tow the line and play their game and let the anesthetic cover it all. Um, so the creatures in this deck are Feather the Redeemed, Forgiver of Runes. You see where this is going now? A little better? Uh, a little better, yeah. A little better. A little better. <laughs> four Core Duelist. Four Monastery Swift Spear. So some haste. Because that was the one mm -hmm. thing that you really wanted. I was just worried that you had... Yeah, I was like, you don't have any haste creatures in the deck? Because that's what was scary to me, was that suddenly I'd have the board clear or something, or feel safe and tap out, and then suddenly you'd be like, here's a Swift Spear and a Colossus Hammer, and, you know, hit you for 12 or whatever. Right. Um, Which, you know, your life total is 20, so it doesn't really yeah. do anything. And then you path. Um, That's right, yeah. <sighs> I mean, it kind of has happened. I think you did hit me once with the Colossus Hammer. <laughs> I got you once. It was a good feeling, but then, yeah, then I did lost. Um, one Ranger Captain of Eos, believe it or not, that was in the deck. Uh, okay. Two Swift Blade Vindicator, and then a bunch of spells. Four Apostles Blessing, which is legit. 
yeah. a basilisk collar, four colossus hammer, four faith shield. Oh, oh, this is not the whole deck. I'm sorry. Some of this is sideboard. I had to make this uh, just to get like to populate yep. the deck list on um, on Magic Online. Okay. So it was something like three Apostles Blessing, two Faith Shield main, right. four Magnetic Theft, thank you. Um, I think it was three or four Path main, uh, four Sigarda's Aid, four Steel Shaper's Gift, which is a much better card than the other one I was I was running. Um Oh, what's the other? I can't even remember the other one's name. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Don't tell anybody because then they won't look for it. And there you go. And Thank it. you. <laughs> and then uh, some surgical extractions and your usual run of lands. Uh, I think it was about 19 lands in the deck overall, 18, 19, something like that. Um, this worked out a little bit better, but not much. Uh, I mean, like, I kind of got, like, okay, so we're protecting our creatures now. Thank God. You know, like, <laughs> protection from white. Okay, that works. You know, that's a good idea. Um, What I really wish I would have had here was, um, first of all, I kind of understand why Flayer Husk was in the previous build or any um, equipment like it that creates a creature when it enters the battlefield. Mm -hmm. You know, because then if you have no creatures on board, you have ways to, like, search your library for an equipment, but you're also searching for a creature. Right. You know, so you have a creature to equip stuff to. So then when the creature, well, the creature ending the battlefield doesn't cause an equipment to get equipped. It's the other way around. That's yeah, the one the thing about right. Sigarda's Aid that's, that's awkward. The once that equipment's on the battlefield and then the creature's dealt with, the next creature gets played and nothing and happens. Nothing happens, yeah. It's the equipment coming down and, and automatically equipping. You need magnetic the... theft. You know what this deck needs? I don't know. Apparently you do. Dreadhorde Arcanist. <laughs> oh, so you can just recast Magnetic First Theft of all, every, has every Trample. Right. Second of all, can cast Magnetic Theft from the Graveyard. I huh. like it. Okay. No, I, I like it. You need, yeah, I think you need to continue tuning this list even though it's bad in fact. Fate maybe Shield it, also, because um, that costs one, right, also works. For what that. is Fate Apostle's Shield? Blessing? It's just a, a protection spell, right? Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. remember the so exact So Apostle's text Blessing costs two, but one is a Phyrexian mana or a Phyrexian white or something, right? Yes, it's one so, in Phyrexian white. And Brave uh, yeah, the Fate's, Elements. You were Fate, running Brave the Elements in the first list. I was like, right? Brave the Elements, or, um, no, I don't think I was, I don't remember, but God's Willing could also work. Right, right. You just uh, want to be able to protect your creatures from spot removal. That's right. kind of the point. And you're you're not flooding the board with creatures, so you're not susceptible to you're not vulnerable to a wrath in the same way. Like you might still have two creatures on board, but I know, you know, playing against you, of course this a lot of this a lot of my opinion is basically just coming from the side of a deck that's trying to answer your threat, not outrace you or now, do something Faith's, more broken. But Faith's shield uh, uh, off of Arcanist is only gonna serve on an offensive role. You know right. what I mean? Like, so you can only use that to like make your creature uh, potentially unblockable, right? Uh, because you can't do it in response to something, right? Um, right? Right? But it's still an option, you know, and and, and it's something to consider if you're going to go that route. You know, having a creature in, or having a spell in your graveyard that the Arcanist can access, right? Face shield, but magnetic theft. Oh, that's good, and it, it even works with Steel Shaper's gift. 
What, how much is, you, is that just cost for one white. white? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of cool. So you can cast one or the other. One white. Search your library for an equipment card. Reveal that card. Put it in your hand. Right. And then and it's sorcery, but you cheated out an instant. Right. You know. With the arcanist. Yeah, I think, I think that, or, yeah, the arcanist. I was going to say the butcher, but no, that's a different dread horde card. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, that's interesting. That would be kind of interesting to see in the deck. Um, I, I don't know, you know, how much better it'll be, but that's at least a scarier interaction, right? Like, um, like I said, it's not like you, you know, coming from my... Made Ryan pers- need to change his pants. Oh, there so, you go. So, that's good. <laughs> I think the thing is, I didn't ever want to cast a Wrath for, like, one of your little creatures, and I really didn't even want to cast Path until they were actually threatening, right? Like, so you're like Monastery Swift Sphere, and I'm like, that's fine. You know, attack, fine. Okay, what, you cast one spell? Oh, it's a two power. Okay, whatever. You know, like, that stuff was, I didn't even want a Path at that point. I'm like, I'll wait until he gets an equipment on something, or is, you know, going to actually threaten something scary before I, know, I, I use this. my Path. Joey waits until the last possible second to cast his path. It's so annoying. <laughs> like, okay, declare blocker step, move to damage. Oh, in response to move to damage, path to egg. I'm like, <laughs> Give me hope until the last second. You see I'm tapped out. Why you let me skip through phases? Like, come on. Just do it. I want to know. <laughs> So I don't know what other kind of weird tricks you're going to put you're going to play last you know. possible second. It's so funny. I what, mean, the point. Oh, I guess Apostle's Blessing is was there a free protection spell? You know there's the there's like the surgical extraction, there was uh mental misstep. Right. There was mutagenic growth. There was Gutshot. Um, Gutshot. What was the white one? Was it, it wasn't Apostle's Blessing, right? I, mean, I had to be a, don't know, but it might be. I mean, maybe they didn't... Maybe that was too strong. <laughs> I right? mean, Mental Misstep got banned, so that was too strong. Surgical, surgical Extraction, obviously, is super powerful. Um, Gutshot sees modern play. Um, and so, yeah, uh, Mutagenic Growth also sees modern play. So uh, I, I don't know what the white one would be, um, unless it's, like, absolutely terrible. Um, but Apostle's Blessing... Is the, it's the only one that comes to mind. Oh, it's absolutely terrible. Oh, there we go. Okay. Marrow shards. Okay, I don't even Marrow remember what that does. Marrow shards deals one damage to uh, each attacking, attacking creature. Attacking creature. Gosh, that's bad. <laughs> that's a terrible card. But, I mean, it's a one-turn a, a one Caltrops effect. I like that. I was like, I want to play Caltrops they're attacking you. Right, right, right. Well, Caltrops is attacking anyway. But, um, yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know about that. But at least... Um, you know, at least you get something with Apostle's Blessing, but I don't know. There might be better, sort better if you're going to be using the, the Dreadhorde Arcanist. Then maybe you want to look for some kind of one mana protection spell, regardless. Um, but then you can't overload on them because then you just have all these protection spells and no threats. Like that, that stinks. Right. You know? Right. You got to ba- you got to balance that. It's eh, kind of annoying, but uh, they always have dive down, so you can always have Apostle's Blessing. I mean, that's on. true. Yeah, yeah it's, it's basically the, it's you just it's a dive down deck, but that doesn't play dive down. Right. Um, and yeah, trample, trample, super important because that was the one thing it was like I have a fifteen power creature swing, and he's like block with wall of omens. I'm like, yep, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, 
that was the other thing. So haste was in the first match. I, I thought, you know, you need some haste creatures. But then the trample, I, the, it, that hammer, I don't know. There's got to be better equipment or something for you to, to use because. Nah, you got to use the hammer. Hammer's big and dumb. Is is batter skull legal? Batter skull's legal. Yeah, Stoneforge isn't for some reason. Right, right. Well, this deck would really benefit from Stoneforge Mystic, but I mean, I think that's kind of like saying uh, the best way to use a gun is to put bullets in it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, we'll see. Maybe we'll get Stoneforge Mystic in two weeks. It would be uh, kind of unexpected. I mean, we all know that Hogak is is likely to go away, but maybe they'll do something else, ban something else, unban something. I don't know. Um, I think. I guess let's talk a little bit about that. Um, our, our predictions for post ban modern. Um, real quick. Before I do that, though, Eldrazi Conscription. That's a that's an equipment, right? That's colorless. What is that? What the hell is that? Remember Mythic Conscription? That was like the deck with Sovereigns yeah, of Lost yeah, Alara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like huh. it was like an actual standard deck in Here 2010 or something. Yeah, so it's um, but it costs eight to cast. That's okay. the problem. Okay, and what what is it? Read the whole card. It's Enchanted Creature gets plus ten plus ten, and has Trample and Annihilator two. Yeah, so you basically become an Eldrazi, but yeah, you have to you have to have eight mana to cast it, unless you have or you need to have Stoneforge Mystic. So yeah, hmm, maybe that's why Stoneforge Mystic isn't. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they're totally worried about Eldrazi. Oh, this is an enchantment. <laughs> this isn't an equipment. This is an enchantment. Oh my, that's even worse. Okay, never mind. I, I knew it was was like an Eldrazi card, but I didn't realize it was an enchantment. Oh man, that stinks. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. Try to build it, uh, an Eldrazi Conscription deck instead of this one. And, you know, similar theme. Instead of a hammer, you just become an Eldrazi. Um, and see, see what you can do with that. Uh, so it makes more sense than uh, two damn magnetic thefts in a deck. Yeah, that's true. Ugh, the hell. But I was thinking Swiftfoot Boots, though, anyway. What is that? It's just giving something haste? It's um, haste and uh, hexproof. Okay. Oh, that seems seems decent. I mean, like I said, there was a copy of it in um, in the first deck I tried, but yeah. uh, that deck sucked. So uh, there was really no chance to really make that work. Right. But the um, deck could benefit from some Swiftfoot boots. Yeah, I mean, you get it equipped. It's it's pretty good. Um, it's just a matter of them answering it before you equip or when you when you try to activate it <laughs> when you try to equip. I'll just pass yeah. your guy now. Um, so. We all expect. Well, yeah. you could always. So you could hold your magnetic theft, and then in response to a path. Yeah, and then magnetic theft. Yeah, there, there might be some uh, tricky things you could do rather than walking right into the path to, ex- to exile. So. Yeah, because that, I learned, is not the best way to do it. Um, yeah, so modern. What about it? Okay, so if we expect Hogak to be banned. And we uh, do. Yeah. I don't. Do you expect them to do anything else? You have any? I mean, I know what you would do: ban like every card that ends in random letter. Uh, but <laughs> like, I know you uh, what you would do. But in terms of like what you expect them to do, do you think that they would do anything beyond banning Hogak? I don't know. I feel like ban Hogak. Yes, I mean, hundred percent. Um, I don't actually see them banning Allosaurus Rider or any of the other cards um, that... Like the Neoform? Yeah, none of that. I don't really see them banning that because it's not showing up. You right. know what I mean? Well, like, yes, it's broken, but nobody's playing it. You right, know what because I mean? everyone's that... playing Hogak. Anyone that wants to play a really broken deck is playing Hogak, so that's kind of... 
skewing right. the numbers a little bit. So maybe we'll see. I don't know when the next ban announcement is, but I guess we'll see how things are between now and then. Like, does that change? I don't know. Um, you know, there's only one way to find out. Is ban Hogak? See where the format goes. Right. Um, I would like to see them unban Stoneforge Mystic. I would. I would like to see that because um, it would be it would be interesting. It would be a big deal, you know. Yeah, I don't even know if it would be as big of a deal as people are making it out to be. Like, I think it's exactly, it's ridiculous though. that it's not on the that it's that it's on the ban list. I understand well, why they I'm started saying. with it. Right, right. I understand why they started with it because it was. Literally, they announced Modern, what, a couple months or a month after they banned both of those cards in Standard. So they're like, we're going to announce this new format and we're going to have a starting banned list with, uh, you know, Jace, Stoneforge and, you know, a half dozen other cards um, like the Artifact Lands and things like that. So uh, but they haven't ever taken Stoneforge off the list. And I don't know if they're afraid that some suddenly like Callblade becomes a thing in Modern. Um, but even if it did... It's got an entire like I don't I don't think that's a threatening thing. It's like okay, people can play Callblade in modern. Great. People can do a lot of broken things in modern, so it's just another deck that that might be played. But I don't even know if that's enough. Um and I but think see, here's- it, it, it enables decks like you're talking about, right? This this crazy hammer deck. Um and it also just becomes a great piece of any kind of white aggro strategy i don't even know if you see it if it's going to see play in like control decks i mean it might um but i don't i'm not like yeah give me stoneforge mystic so i can play with it i don't really care about batter skull like getting a 4-4 lifelink like that's, that's really not that high of a priority for me um as a control player so i i don't see the danger of unbanning stoneforge but I, the only reason i think they wouldn't do it at this point is just because Again, they just sort of shook up the modern format. They can sort of save their shakeups for when it gets a little more stale. Um, and I wouldn't even say stale is the right word, but just settles a little bit more. Yeah, I think it would be a big deal for the players. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. People would be very happy if they unbanned Stoneforge Mystic, but the format would not suffer. So right. I think it's all reward and like extremely low risk you just unban it yeah and like people are like happy with you for a change right so do it <laughs> that seems that right. seems good i think people will be pretty happy when hogak's gone too but yeah i get you uh that yes well of course but that's like i said that that's just like it needs there are to happen enough people <laughs> there are enough people complaining about it that Aaron Forsythe literally had to go on Twitter and say, we're not doing any emergency bannings. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's a good point, uh, bringing that up, because it was good. We did get confirmation that there will not be an emergency ban um, at this point. I, I think they maybe should have done an emergency ban right after the Mythic Championship, but I think like that was their window. If they were going to do it, they would have done it that week, like the week following the, the Mythic Championship. Um, and since they didn't, I kind of felt like, well, yeah, they're just going to let this, let everybody deal with this format for a month and my i'm wondering like were they trying to get more data not necessarily to decide on whether or not to ban hogak but were they looking to see to get more information on deciding whether to do something further either faithless looting gets banned or like you said stoneforge mystic gets unbanned like maybe they just wanted a little bit more information 
you know, another month's worth of tournaments and, you know, however many events on, on moto. Um, and that's why they figured let's, let's see, you know? And so I don't know, I'm, I think we'll all be, you know, shocked if for some reason Hogak doesn't get banned and instead something else does. Uh, I think people will be pretty upset, but I don't think that's likely. Even, uh, Mark Rosewater posted something on his blog when someone, someone asked a question like, uh, I see, you, you know, you banned these these blue cards. What is blue? Only get only blue gets the powerful cards that are powerful enough to ban or something. And Mark Rosewater's like, we do. We make mistakes in all colors. Our most recent mistake is black and green. <laughs> like it was, it was kind of uh, it was a weird question. I felt like I'm like, is this person not looking at the rest of the ban list? Like I, you're bringing up. You, they brought up like I think Treasure Cruise and. Uh, maybe like dig through time or something or mental misstep. And I'm just like, you're not looking at the rest of the list. Like that kind of answers your question. What a strange question to ask, but okay. It still got us a funny, amusing uh, response from Mark Rosewater. So, um, yeah, I imagine we're Hogax done. Uh, but, but I do wonder what, if they might do something more and I'm kind of sort of just looking forward to seeing what they do and, you know, if they just go the conservative route of banning Hogak and moving on and seeing what, where we go from there. So, with um, that said, yeah. ban Teferi in standard. Hi, hello, how are you? <laughs> um, well, I'm going to make that statement. Um, I know, I know you're not a, you're not a fan of Teferi in standard. I know a lot of people aren't, and I don't have a, an opinion about it because I've only been and playing I don't even, it. You know, I don't, I, I don't even like feel like it's too powerful of a card. I just like I don't feel like it's oppressively powerful. I just feel like. It's made the format very stale. Yeah, you know, well, that's I, I, yeah. It doesn't have to be super powerful. It can just be format warping, right? Like it's it is. I it's mean, it obviously affecting is. the format. And I mean, hey, if we're talking about affecting the format. Let's ban Nissa while we're at it. But here we go. Here, here I go. <laughs> here I go. It's starting, Joey. Some cards um, have to be good. There have to be good cards. Like you can't just be like constantly lopping the head off the Hydra, right? Like that's, the, <laughs> that's another card will grow back and take its place. You know, something else will be there. The Hydra is yeah. always going to have heads. Um, mm-hmm. So, but uh, you know, I understand the Teferi thing, and uh, you know, I'm kind of I, I I soft agree with you because I feel like part of the reason I don't want to play standard is because of Teferi even though I love the card in modern and why don't we jump into that? Because I do want to like talk about my, about what I'm so excited about with magic right now. And yes. it has nothing to do with commander decks, which, you know, they're cool and I'll play them, uh, if given the opportunity, but I, uh, but it does have to do with Teferi. Yes, this does have to do with Teferi. So <laughs> as, as many people already know, I, I love playing blue white and I feel like I've never loved playing blue white more than I do right now, especially like in modern. Um, and what I've, kind of decided is really to try to just stick to one deck um it's a decision i made a while ago with like just guy and i did do that for a while but then i kind of started checking out you know playing other decks like burn dredge and amulet um earlier this year and i kind of have gotten uh this idea just the idea of being instead of being jack of all trades and master of none i'd actually like focus on one deck and just getting really good with it and i love mm-hmm. that you can you can do that in modern you can't do that in standard for very long uh you can kind of pick an archetype that you like and hope that archetype a is a blue archetype is, well yeah that that's <laughs> that's what i would pick and i understand no that's yeah. what you can pick in standard if you want to have success right right so 
in modern and in eternal formats, you can actually do this and carry it on for years, just slowly evolving your deck as new sets come out and new cards are available to you. And so I'm really loving like getting into the, the minutia of of this deck. So I'm going to like run down my list and kind of make a couple comments on, on cards, uh, like each card and sort of why it's in the deck. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I'm just going to start with the land. So this is a 24 land deck. Um, you can play 25 in it. I think uh, there's an argument for doing that. Uh, Kyle Bogham has suggested playing Serum Visions, like one copy of Serum Visions, as the 25th land, or in the 25th land slot, and I like that. Haven't done it yet, but I do like that idea. Um, most lists are running for Opt right now over Serum Visions because of cards like Narset that don't allow you to draw more than one card during your turn, so you need the instant speed option. Uh, plus, it makes your Snapcasters more powerful because uh, you can snap you know, during their turn, snap Opt. You can't snap Serum Visions during their turn unless you have Teferi. Um, so, going back to the lands, I've got three colonnades. Colonnade right now, I think, is better than it has been in recent months. Um, I love it, again, with Teferi Time Raveler. So, Teferi Time Raveler makes colonnades so good because it's got, it, it can't be uh, destroyed during combat. Like, you have your path to exile or your fatal push or whatever. It, you can't, you know, when I activate my colonnade and it's a creature, you can't do anything when I have Teferi. You you can't interact with it during combat. And then during your turn, it's no longer a creature, so your Fatal Push and Path to Exile, etc., are, are no good. So you need like something like Field of Ruin or Fulminator Mage, some other way to deal with a Colonnade uh, outside of your opponent's turn when they have Teferi. So that is making me love playing Colonnade right now. Um, I've got... Uh, I've kind of limited myself to just four colorless lands because I feel like... When you play a two-color deck like Blue-White, you do get the option of playing these colorless utility lands, um, but you can't overload on them. And Field of Ruin is like the main one that everyone wants to use right now, and I was running four for a while with a copy of Blast Zone as the 25th land when I was running 25 lands. Um, but I still felt like I was drawing too many colorless colorless lands, and that was causing issues uh, with my mana base. So I cut down, limiting myself to four um, right now, I'm trying three Field of Ruin and one copy of Gyre Reach Sanitarium, which, if you don't know, is a uh, a land from um, Shadows, or, um, yeah, Shadows over Innistrad, um, and it's tap two and tap it. Each player draws a card and discards a card. Um, it's a great looting effect, but it's symmetrical unless you have Narset. And so the trick with Narset is you activate Gyre Reach Sanitarium during your opponent's upkeep. They have to draw their, the card from Gyre Sanitarium and then discard a card. Then they can't draw a card during their draw step, and so they just discard. Your opponent just discards, and that's it. Um, so it's basically uh, a way to just make your opponent keep discarding a card every turn, and it's especially great when they have no cards in hand because they never draw a card again. <laughs> or, you know, they, yeah. they, they have to draw, then discard. They can't even use the card they drew. So that's, the, that's why you activate during upkeep rather than draw step, because if you wait till their draw step to activate, they can actually respond with an instant, as long as you don't have Teferi on board. Um, they can respond and use the card. But if you activate during their upkeep, whatever they can still respond with an instant but whatever they draw they can't draw it and then use it because it's you need to resolve the full ability so they draw the card off gyre reach discard a card and so like if they're hellbent you know they have no cards in hand they they never get the opportunity to use a card um so I, that's just a cool interaction and i've 
I've done it. I've now activated it a few times because I just threw it in the list the other day. Um, one of my opponents conceded the second time I activated it, <laughs> and they they weren't even hell bent at the time. But I think they saw like, yeah, this is this is not gonna be good. Um, then I've got four flooded strand, uh, two glacial fortress, two hallowed fountain. So these are just like the the stock amounts of fetch lands and uh, blue white sources. The there's usually in a lot of these lists, a fifth fetch land. Um, and right now I've got Prismatic Vista in that slot. Um, there's a question between using Vista or a blue fetch, like Misty Rainforest or Scalding Tarn, uh, using one of the other blue fetches, because Vista, while it can get, you know, a plains, um, uh, like a white source, shock-free, you know, without shocking, the, the blue fetches at least can get you a dual color source, but you have to, if you need white and you need the shock, like that's the, that's the downside to choosing a blue fetch because you can't just fetch up a, a basic planes. Uh, you have to get a hallowed fountain. So right now I think, um, I, I tried both. It's such a, the difference is minimal, but right now I'm going with Vista because I do like having the opportunity to get a shock-free, uh, you know, damage-free source of white, um, if I need it. And so that's, that's where I'm going with that. Then I've got two planes and six islands, um, sort of regular, you know, a stock amount. Uh, most of my list is relatively stock right now with just a few, maybe minor variations or, uh, kind of to taste, uh, in terms of what I like to play. Um, four copies of Path to Exile is kind of obvious. Four copies of Opt, as I already mentioned, is, is kind of the, the stock amount, uh, the acceptable amount in a lot of these lists. Um, one copy of Oust as sort of like the fifth Path to Exile. Um, this slot is kind of interchangeable. Um, it's usually Oust or Condemn. Um, the reason to choose Oust is when you want to deal with creatures that don't typically attack. Something like uh, Meddling Mage or Gaddic Teague out of humans. Um, creatures that you... Condemn have to be an attacking creature? Right, Condemn needs to be an attacking creature, right. Okay, so, yeah. so basically, if someone's got a Gaddic Teague out, if humans is playing you and they have a Gaddic Teague out and you've got an open white, they're just not going to attack with Gaddic Teague. Um, right. And so you're just never going to get rid of it if, if you've got Condemn. So you need to find a path, which they may have already named with Meddling Mage if they were, uh, if they had opportunity to. So... Uh, oust is usually the choice right now if you want to be able to deal with creatures that don't attack. Um, the other thing about oust, it's sorcery speed, but it can be instant speed with Teferi, you know, uh, so that's something that you can still, still cast it on your opponent's turn if necessary. And you get the opportunity, if you want, to do something like oust your own Snapcaster or oust your own Wall of Omens to gain some life and still redraw your card, uh, you know, which of course Snapcaster and Wall of Omens both are value cards, uh, two for one. So, um, those are cards that you kind of want to draw again. So you can always do that, that you've got that opportunity. Um, one copy of spell snare. This is a, again, like kind of a flex slot where you either play spell snare or you play spell pierce. Um, pierce obviously has its limitations in terms of only hitting non-creature spells, but it is really good. And I, I could see the argument for playing that. Uh, I switched over to spell snare because Jund is so good right now, and it has so many targets in Jund, um, including Tarmogoyf and possibly Dark Confidant, and the big one being Renin Six. Um, so you have like uh, that. Yeah, Renin Six. That's a good point. Yeah. So spell snare. I mean, I could also spell pierce a Renin Six, but if I do it when they have two open mana, then it's useless, right? Like a spell snare on a Renin Six when they've got two open is. Uh, yeah. much preferable, you know. Um, 
two main deck copies of Surgical Extraction. This is stock now because of Hogak, but I'm looking forward to a time when maybe I can relegate those to the sideboard in a couple yes, of weeks. like a normal person. Right. Um, <laughs> and I don't even know if I go with Extraction in the sideboard or I just stick with Rest in Peace or like a mix, maybe a mix, because I do like Extraction, uh, having it available, being able to do things like I did to you, where I was like, I don't really know what you're up to. Let me just get the information. Um, and uh, so, you know, I, I could see still playing Extraction somewhere in the sideboard, but uh, right now, main deck, because of Hogak, uh, and the occasional Dredge deck or Hollow One deck that you might might come across, I know that's rare, but I, you know, have placed, I have faced against Hollow One in the last few weeks, so. Um, uh, I have three copies of Snapcaster Mage and two Wall of Omens. This is sort of, um, you know, playing Snapcaster, usually you want to play all four uh, lately because you have so many great cards to snap back, like Alston Path and Opt and Surgical Extraction and Spell Snare, um, just off of, you know, just one mana cards. But uh, with playing cards like Rest in Peace in the sideboard, I've kind of decided to make some room for other cards by shaving a, a Snapcaster. Um, I've got a copy of Mana Leak and a copy of Logic Knot, which are just some two mana counter spells, uh, situational in terms of their, you know, uh, their, their soft counters. Um, but they do come in handy a lot of times. And then two copies of Wall of Omens, which is really good right now in the format and against Hogak because it blanks like 20 of their creatures. Like, it, right. yeah, so they, so Vengevine kills it and Hogak kills it, but basically every other creature in their deck can't get through a wall. So they need to, to overextend into your rats. So, like, right. I really like Wall of Omens right now. Um, the other reason I like it is if you play something like Restoration Angel in the sideboard, which I do, that's just another value creature that you can blink and draw a card. Um, I've got a copy of Timely Reinforcements, just really good. I actually beat Hogak game one because I had a main deck Timely Reinforcements, gained some life, and then just beat him down with one ones, and uh, that was nice. Um, two copies of Force of Negation. I'm trying to push that to three, but uh, because it has been so good, but I... Uh, I did say that, right? I did say, like, oh, yeah, you're talking about this could be sideboard only, but you're going to be trying to run four of them yeah. by the time. Yep, you yeah, you did. Like, <laughs> with, with eventually. I just want to also say Matt, uh, one of our patrons, Matt, mm. uh, <laughs> texted me. It was like, hope you guys didn't start recording before the news dropped on the new competitive structure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, almost. I was like, we skimmed it. We skimmed it. <laughs> Um, that was just funny, though. Yeah, so... Um, but yeah, like... What was it, what force was of Negation. Oh, yeah, Force of Negation. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I knew this card was going to be a main deck card. I mean, Force of Will's great. Free counter spells great, you know? Um, yeah, I figured this was going to be main deck, so I'm glad to see that come true. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm impressed with it more and more, just because, uh, especially in a build like this that is leaning towards these Planeswalkers, which, of course, I haven't exactly gotten to yet but you've heard me mention them um mm -hmm. being able to tap out early for a planeswalker and still protect it uh, and still feel safe like okay they're not going to get anything crazy because i've got force of negation um and so that's great and that's one of the reasons i want to up to three now the bad thing about force of negation is it's not great against something like jund which is more and more popular so uh jund being a deck that wants to drain you, you know, basically grind you out and uh, two-for-one you all the time, you're like, oh, yeah, you just cast one spell and uh, I'll two-for-one myself, you know, for you. So <laughs> it's like you're playing right into their, their game plan. Well, 
I mean, there are matchups where sideboard, you know, cards come right out. Yeah. You know what I mean? So and that's great. That's that exactly. Mean- that's my first cut. If I'm playing Jund, game two, my first cut is Force of Negation. I'm like, great, I've got space. Right? Like, uh, that just makes sideboarding easier. Exactly. You know, I mean, like, yeah, and there's nothing wrong. I mean, because, like, it works so well, I feel, against the rest of the field, even if a quarter of the players are playing Jund, it still means that, like, 75% of the time, main deck's going to be the right choice. Right. Yeah, and it's it's Which, definitely still good. And, you know, I can, I've hard cast it before. It's only three mana. It's not five, like Force yeah. of Will. So right. uh, it's certainly playable as a, as a cancel when you have it. Um, so I, I like it. Like I said, I, I'm going up to three um, if I can figure out where to make room. And uh, the place where I'm looking right now is Vendillion Click. I love the card, but I don't know if it's necessary main deck. I've got one in the main. Uh, oh, that's what that card but, is. I can't read this little picture. Oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, so there's a Vendillion <laughs> Click I, I got it now. That was the only card I still couldn't like make out. Um, um, yeah, so Vendillion Click I, yeah. I love, and it's also great with Restoration Angel. Um, but I don't know if it's needed in the main deck. It's It's one of those cards that will probably be in the main deck in a couple of weeks when when i have when i can cut these extractions from the main but uh right now that might be the slot where i put the force of negation but you know i could see either way um i've got three copies of narset uh parter of veils because narset's really good uh in a lot of situations but she's has i did want to mention like i'm not as impressed with narset as i think a lot of people are and and maybe it's just me but um sometimes it feels pretty clunky Especially when you're like, okay, I've got three lands, but I need I need to draw land. Well, Narset's not going to help you draw land. Uh, right. Or you play like a more creature-heavy version. Like, I've got six creatures in this deck. I know that's not a lot of creatures, but I have whiffed on Narset seeing like Snapcaster, Nap- Snapcaster, Wall of Omens land. And I'm like, great, that stinks. You know, I, I could really use a Snapcaster because I could cast this opt and find my fourth land or something, you know, <laughs> like... Uh, but I think the power in Sna- in Narset isn't in what you see; it's in what you don't see. Um, like the fact that your opponent can't play their Faithless Lootings right. anymore. Yeah. The fact that they can't cast these spells. You know, it's not you're not going to get a visible like benefit. Or, or, or unless your opponent walks right into it and you're like, haha, you know. You, and then they're just stupid. Well, you know they're what not I mean? stupid. Like, they missed an onboard thing. You know what Everybody's I'm missing saying. it. But I get you. You know, Everyone's when they do it by accident. It. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm shortcutting here. They're sure. stupid. Um, you know, but if everyone's playing correctly, you don't see the benefit of Narset, is right. what I'm saying. You know, which, of course, you know, you're going to have people who screw up. But. Um, but you don't see the benefit. So it might feel like that minus two isn't getting you what you want, but that static ability right. is really getting you what you need. You know what I mean? So, And it works uh, great. I mean, I, I, I do understand what you mean. I'm certainly not completely trashing the card. I'm just saying having three copies in the deck and of a three-mana sorcery speed draw spell it sometimes feels lacking. Maybe you cut one of those for a force of negation. That, and I've, I've considered that. So that's where I'm like, maybe I just stick with two Narsets. I was also thinking of, of playing a copy of Search for Escanta, which is a similar effect to Narset. Lower on the curve, also becomes a land. Um, so I'm kind of thinking of maybe leaning that way. I like Search for Escanta against something... I don't hate that. Like, uh, against Jund, Search for Escanta is great because you... Uh, you know, you get to repeatedly do it. It's not just two activations like Narset. It's as many as, you know, the card sticks around. Now, they do have Fulminator Mage in the sideboard, possibly, and they have, you know, uh, Abrupt Decay and or uh, 
assassin's trophy, but you know, that you, you, they have removal, you know, dies to removal is a bad <laughs> argument. Um, so I can't really, uh, you know, not play cards because assassin's trophy hits them because assassin's trophy hits basically everything. Uh, but yeah, I like, I like search for his cancer. And of course, assassin's trophy will get me that land anyway. Um, <laughs> So it'll get me the land side of, of Search for Riscanta if I need it. Um, so I, I might cut down to that. That's just uh, something I've, I've thought about. Um, I do feel like I want to lower the curve a little bit because I have so, such a glut of three drops. I have ten three drops in this deck. Uh, and Snapcaster Mage technically counts as at least a three drop unless you just want it as an ambush viper, right? Like, yeah, it costs two, but plus whatever other mana you need available to cast the spell it's flashing back. So it's kind of heavy in the threes um speaking of which we've got a copy of detention sphere as a nice catch-all which works great alongside the two copies of teferi time raveler because you can just bounce your sphere and replay it if you need to and you get to draw a card off it you know and that's come in handy in terms of like oh you cast aria of flame i'll detention sphere it and then i'll bounce my detention sphere with <laughs> with my teferi and gain 10 life and then replay detention sphere on your aria flame you know like uh things like that where you can um do little tricks with your spheres and and bounce uh abilities like cryptic command or something um but yeah just as a nice catch-all it's great um the vendillion click i already mentioned the two copies of teferi time raveler i really feel like that card makes me love is the card kind of really making me love this deck right now and i totally didn't no, it's not. didn't think that it was going to be that way when i first read this card but it's not feeling safe to attack with colonnade uh is is a big a big factor i think for me and of course being able to go well they're not going to ever counter anything while he's on board so that's that's always great um the reason why I say it's not is because of the next card, because that's the reason why you're excited to play this deck. Well, this certainly helps. Two copies of Jace the Mind Sculptor. Uh, it is better than all, as they say, but I, I do love... It does feel great to play Jace again, and it's funny... It feels great for me, mm-hmm. for you to play Jace again. <laughs> I'm so serious. When I saw you cast Jace when we were playing the other day, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like so happy. Like, yeah, somebody's playing Jace the Mind Sculptor. This rocks. Like, I love this list here, dude. Like, I absolutely love this deck list. I, I feel like this is a, I would build this deck. Like, I wouldn't because it's blue and that means it's expensive. <laughs> but, um, because all the expensive cards are blue. Um, you know, Teferi's great. Othakai is great. It's 60 cents. Um, <laughs> hero of priest, a hero of what is it called? Precinct six. One. Hero of precinct one. Hero of precinct one is like two bucks, maybe. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, why are these? How are these cards not? Then it's like Teferi, twenty bucks. It's rare from the same set. Um, you know, I mean, like it's it's just weird to me. All the expensive cards are blue. I don't understand why it shakes out that way. Um. But it does. It does. I mean, so anyway. decks tend to be more expensive. I guess because they're pretty popular and they're pretty strong all, all the time, so there's more demand, and I guess that makes the cards more expensive. I don't know. But I would. I wouldn't build this deck. But this looks like if I were to build a, a blue-white control list, it would pretty much look like this. It's got all the greatest hits. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and that's like, why I'm loving it. Like I, I every like I I'm know you. constantly thinking about <laughs> blue-white. I just want to like watch. If I can't play blue-white, I'm like looking up streams on twitch who's streaming blue white or like looking up things on youtube like who who can i you watch haven't even, 
you haven't even mentioned how far over time we've gone recording. You're so excited. Yeah, yeah. So I'll finish up this this uh, <laughs> list here because I don't want to give people half a list, and I at least want to mention a few more things, and then uh, then we'll we'll wrap up. So two copies of Crypto Command. Uh, a lot of people play three or four. I feel like it's gotten a little clunky. Two copies have been fine for me. I love it. Two copies of Supreme Verdict. Uh, rather than doing the, the Wrath of God split with the Supreme Verdict to kind of circumvent Meddling Mage, I think having two copies of Supreme Verdict in the deck is fine. That You can exile it to Force of Negation because it's blue. I've got a Wrath of God in the sideboard if I need to worry about humans, and so that, that seems fine to me. And then on the top end, we've got one copy of Teferi, Hero of Dominaria. That's just really good. Uh, just one copy because there are so many other Planeswalkers, strong Planeswalkers in the deck. Um, I don't need to see Teferi and... Uh, I can also dig to it pretty easily with all these draw spells like brainstorms and narset activations, and uh, so if I if I want it, I can get it. It's a nice, it's a, it's a strong card, as we all know. Uh, so how you so you're feeling good about cryptics? I know that like you were just talking about people not being happy with cryptic and feeling like cryptic wasn't that good right now. No, I think well, a lot of people uh, cryptic is a. Uh, it's a weird card. It's kind of, I feel like a lot of people love it and just won't even cut it at all. And some people, uh, I think, was it Dan Fournier who, who cut it entirely from his list? So I've kind of like split the difference and gone with two. I do think it's a strong card, but there have been so many times where I'm like, oh, I've got Cryptic and I don't have the third blue or... I've, right, because you got all these colors. Yeah, lines. like I've got cryptic. Do I really? Do I just want to like cycle this? Like because I would really need to draw like a wrath or something, and it's like okay, tap and tap draw. Like great, like that. Uh, a four mana fog cantrip doesn't feel great. Of course, it lets me survive a turn, but it doesn't feel great. You know, it's it's like it's something. But I mean, that's even that's not bad. I don't. Uh, that's what I'm trying to say. It's not bad, but there are times when it just feels clunky, especially when you're you know your opening hand is like. Uh, you know, you got like two cryptics in your opening hand. You're like, I hope I survived the, four, the turn four, and then I can actually cast these spells. Um, so I, I like having two copies main, and, and that's that's been working well for me. Um, it is just kind of a, a catch-all. Uh, what do they call it? Like a Swiss Army knife. That's the term I was looking for. So yeah, it does a lot of things, but I don't need all four, and I don't even at this point. I've decided not to even run all three. Or run three copies. So, Swiss Army man. Yeah. Uh, sideboard. Um, two copies of Celestial Purge. I'd like to make that three if I could because there's a lot of black and red permanents around. Um, it's great against Hogak, great against Jund, great against Arclight Phoenix decks. Uh, yeah. So three copies of Rest in Peace for the obvious graveyard decks. One copy of Stony Silence, which, uh, you know, shuts off things like the Thopter Sword combo and things. Uh, that's probably the weakest card in the sideboard, I feel like, or at least the card I've used the least. Um, it just yeah. hasn't come up. It's good against Tron. You stop all their little uh, little artifacts that they could, they use to, you know, Expedition Map and Chromatic Sphere and all that. Yeah. Um, an extra copy of Timely Reinforcements because, again, it's just it's really good right now, buying you time and uh, sometimes going on the offensive and stealing a game from Hogak game, you know, well, game one, if you've got it main. Game two, if you if you don't. Um, that copy of Wrath of God I mentioned just as another Wrath. Uh, I do have a uh, fourth Wrath in the 75, and that's Cataclysmic Gearhulk, which is uh, awesome alongside two copies of Restoration Angel. Um, it's, it's, you know, the Wrath of God on a stick. They get to keep one creature, and, uh, and that's usually, you know, you're bringing it in against decks that want to go wide. Uh, the first time I tried it, I played it against Black-White Tokens, and that felt so good. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was like, and then you bounce it with Teferi and replay. I could it. do that if I want, or just flash in Restoration Angel and do it again. And the cool thing with that is, yeah, Restoration Angel blinking Gearhawk lets you keep Angel as your creature and Gearhawk as your artifact. So it's like you don't even lose oh, value there. Dang. So that's great. Um, Lyra Dawnbringer as the uh, in the Bane Slayer slot. So I think the thing is. You play Lyra, if you're playing Restoration Angel, you play Lyra Dawnbringer because she boosts the Angel's power and toughness. Uh, that makes if sense. you're not playing Restoration Angel, play Baneslayer because that random protection from demons and dragons can come up, like, occasionally. So if, you, if you've got the, the Restoration Angels, play Lyra. If you've got, Banes, or if you've got uh, no Restoration Angels, go with, with uh, Baneslayer just for the protection. Um, I was just because it's pretty. Yeah, I mean, you can pick the better art if that's what you'd prefer to, to make your, uh, how, how to make your choice. I've got an, a copy of Ceremonious Rejection, just nice against a lot of, you know, Artifact X or Tron or... Uh, what the hell is Ceremonious It's just rejection? one mana counter target colorless spell, so it... Oh, that yeah. card, okay, okay. I didn't know what the name of it was. I was playing against <laughs> uh, Eldrazi Tron, and I had one blue open, and he cast something, and I cast, I tapped blue. He's like, you have a one, what do you have, you know, one mana counterspell? Like, he didn't know what I was, he's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that card. Um, so, I don't know, I didn't forget about it. I think it's great, and there's times when I want more than one copy in the board, but right now it's not one of those times. Um, I've got Disdainful Stroke in there, obviously, against the bigger spells, and one copy of Dovin's Veto, uh, which I would love to have main deck, but uh, right now, just no room. Again, that's one that might take the main deck slot where, where an extraction currently is. Um, I, a couple other cards I wanted to mention. Uh, Search of Rares Canta I mentioned, and uh, one of the options I'm considering right now as a win condition is Dragon Lord or Jutai, because while I don't love it, because it, uh, it's a 5-mana five 5-4 five, flying, it has Hexproof as long as it's untapped, and whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you look at the top three cards of your library, put one into your hand, and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. So it's great when it connects. You have to protect it when it attacks, and that was like a downside of it. And uh, also, it's a 5-4. If it's untapped, it's not... I don't want to pay five mana for a 5-4 blocker, really. Like, that's not ideal. So, like, I want to be able to attack with this. Um, Francesco Amati reminded me yesterday that we now have Teferi Time Raveler in this deck. So it is protected during combat, not entirely for the entire turn cycle, but I can attack with Dragon Lord, Lord Ojutai with Teferi on board, and it will be protected during combat and likely connect, and you get to draw a card. Now you pass the turn, now it's tapped and vulnerable, but it is, so it's not like, it's not as protected as Colonnade is, but you do have that um, extra protection with Teferi. So I, I said I was going to try it out, haven't yet, but it is something I'm considering. Um, the other card I want to mention, Monastery Mentor, which a lot of players are playing right now in the sideboard. I, I love it. It's got really high upside. It reminds me a lot of Geist of St. Traft as like a three-mana 2-2 two -two that can take over a game entirely, uh, but it is a little bit more versatile because it makes blockers. Like, it can play defense a lot better than Geist of St. Traft. Um, sure. And it's almost as offensive uh, are offensively strong as Geist of St. Traft. Now, you don't get the flyers, but you can flood a board and just, you know, attack with a bunch of prowess creatures, and, you know, they can, it can, it can actually have a more uh, power than Geist of St. Traft can put on the board if you've got, like, the, the prowess triggers. Um, but again, they're not flying, so you don't get the, uh, the evasion. But I love it as being able to put blockers and, and buy time. Um, that card is competing for the slot that I currently have Restoration Angel in. And so I think post-Hogak, 
I might switch into a more a version that cuts the wall of omens and the restoration angels and the cataclysmic gearhawk uh, for you know some, something like monastery mentor and you know whatever other cards uh, I decide to put in there. Um, and you can take blue white. You know this is the control version, but there are a lot of players that will take it into a mid range version. Uh, playing a lot of these same cards, except finding space for cards like Blade Splicer and Kitchen Finks alongside Restoration Angel, uh, and then like Ojatai. Uh, again, that's that's you know, a lot of mid-range players playing that. Um, I love it. I just don't like really mid-range decks. Um, that doesn't seem as good as what you've got going on here, honestly. Yeah, I mean, in the in the meta game, if you were look at to look at like MTG Goldfish, you're going to find control uh, the control version. A lot higher on the list, but people that like more mid-range versions uh, are playing versions like this. And can you imagine? You know, we we saw it in standard. I'm pretty sure Blade Splicer and Restoration Angel were in standard together. I'm I think, um, but even if not, you get the picture. You know, you get to pop out extra uh, golems, extra three three golems, and blinking your kitchen finks is nice. And you know, you get those kinds of things. Um, lastly. I didn't mention it at the time when I was discussing Alston Condemn, but another card that goes in that slot potentially that I haven't tested yet, but I'm going to, is Winds of Abandon, a uh, new card um, that is sort of like the two-mana path to exile, but you can overload it to exile, uh, basically turn it into Settle the Wreckage, but they don't need to be attacking, um, but it's cost six. So it gets that extra sweeper option in there, but it's, um, but it's at the cost of being two mana when you might need it early in the game uh, but that might get around the chalice of the void so you know there's upsides to it um i've seen people trying to play a snow version of this deck where they play cards like on thin ice um Ar- arkham's astrolab to get the uh the splash and extra color and usually that extra color is green so you can play ice fang coatl which i love uh i I'm trying it, but the I only played like two games with it, and it was a little bit clunky. I had a lot of ice fang coatles and no green mana. I have like one Sweet. breeding pool. Yeah, I have a, one one breeding pool, and then the astrolab as like my green splash, and I'm like that sucks. Like it's, it's not working. And then I think right. I I cast on thin ice on something, and the person was actually playing boomerang in their deck, uh, and bounced the snowland. So not only did oh I lose boy. the the snow land but i lost the on thin ice i still won the game but it was uh it was kind of annoying um so on thin ice obviously uh, vulnerable to something like uh, any kind of bounce effect or like blast zone even like blast zone comes down can destroy all copies of on thin ice so i'm not sure i'm there yet i'm not convinced on the snow version but ice fan coattles certainly awesome being like the best wall of omens right it draws a card but you can play it during their turn and you can also attack with it or if it has death touch you can use it as removal that draws a card like it's super awesome it's got evasion can pressure planeswalkers um so that's the card i want to play in this deck it's just the cost of playing it is too high for me so that's where i am right now with with ice fang coatl and the snow version of this um so I think that's everything we wanted to discuss. I went way over time. I knew I was going to discuss blue white for a while. We didn't expect the uh, additional news this morning on um, on the organized play situation. But uh, did you have not at all. anything you wanted to add? No, I do not. Uh, next episode, we will have the next band and restricted announcement. Oh, cool! So, yeah, so we'll, we'll get uh, to talk about it. Yeah, for sure. And so that's exciting, and we'll get to see where things go. Uh, we'll get to see if they do the right thing and ban Teferi Time Raveler in standard, <laughs> but I know they won't. 
Um, I'm just going to keep saying it on occasion. Uh, Put it out it's not going to happen, you know. But I need to keep putting that vibe out. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so that's cool. I mean, I'm excited about that. And uh, hope when do, when do official previews start for El Drain? Uh, I mean, it's got to be coming up soon. Maybe in two weeks we'll have some mentioned. I, I don't know. I don't have a date, but uh, it's got to be right around the same time as the band restricted announcement because that's August 26th, and usually that's when we start seeing like I feel like packs. Uh, usually is the event where they start. They do like a big event where they preview a bunch of cards. Is that the previous weekend? It might be. I, I don't. I don't recall. I, didn't, I haven't looked it up. Um, but it, end of August, early September is when we're going to start seeing a lot more Eldrain uh, content coming up. So we'll, we'll we'll see. Hopefully for next episode. For sure. For, oh no, Pax is Friday, August thirtieth. Okay, so it's the next week. So maybe we won't have it for next episode, but we'll, we'll see. Maybe we'll get something before something then. Will, something will leak out. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah, so uh, no no interplanar beacon for this week just because I didn't have it ready, actually. <laughs> Forgot about it. <laughs> um, but we'll have one for next Go listen to the new uh, Slipknot album. And listen to the band Proper. Oh, yeah, that's um, really good. There is a, there's an album by the band Proper called I Spent the Winter writing songs about get getting better i think is the name of the album it is so good so that's my interplanar beacon is check out the band proper uh, and they're about to go on tour too they're not coming to texas because i couldn't set it up but uh they are touring so check them out cool all right well then until next week when there will hopefully be no more hogak we're yo mtg taps make them gack we are